Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we are in our study through the book of Mark, specifically in chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. This is Mark's first account of Jesus' encounter with something you and I don't typically face on a daily basis, demons. Now, we know from Scripture that a demon is an angel created by God who rebelled against God by joining Satan's rebellion. We know that approximately one-third of the angels originally created chose this route and that their destiny is final judgment and the lake of fire. Now, we don't encounter them in visible ways every day and see their direct influence through possession as commonly as it was encountered in Jesus' day, but they are no less real. They just work in different, more subtle ways in our lives. The people at Jesus' time were already amazed at the authority that Jesus exhibited when he taught. But one of the testimonies to Jesus' claim to be the Son of God, speaking with divine authority, was his impact on demons when he encountered them. Pastor Jim will help us understand the passage and its implications all week. Here is today's portion of the sermon entitled, Amazed or Terrified? Now, Friends, you understand, we can't see demons. We can't see angels. We don't, we're not allowed to see that, that realm of spirit, that, that domain in which angels and, and uh, fallen angels or demons live. But according to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4, when demons act in our world, they disguise themselves as angels of light. They are the authors and overseers of false religion that includes apostate Judaism, like in Jesus' day, apostate Christianity, as in our day, cults, all the other world religions. But demons couldn't hide from Christ. Whenever He showed up near them, they blew their cover of anonymity because they were so terrified of Him, and rightly so, they panicked. And they just start blurting out who he is and begging that he won't judge them right there. Now with that background and that little bit of overview, let's look at our passage today. Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. And it's a pretty easy passage to break down. We're going to see people amazed, and then we're going to see demons terrified, and then we're going to see people amazed some more. starts out with people being amazed. Chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. Now remember from last time that uh, uh, at least six months, maybe a little bit more, have elapsed since the time of Jesus' baptism. During those months, both John the Baptist was ministering in the the wilderness down by the river uh, Jordan, still baptizing people. Jesus was in the area of Judea, including going to Jerusalem, where he cleared the temple for the first of two times that he would, would do that. Once John the Baptist was arrested 
and Mark will circle back and tell us about that in a few chapters. But once John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus went up north to Galilee, and that's where he did the bulk of his public ministry. Now recall also that to the arrogant, snooty, proud Pharisees and Sadducees in Jerusalem, Galilee was nowhere. I used the analogy last time. They thought of it as redneck country. That's the backwoods. That's the bayou. Nothing good ever comes out of, of there. That, that's just irrelevant. I mean, we and the, and, and the temple, that, that's the whole show. That was their mindset. Well, we're told in Mark 1.21 that now that Jesus is up in Galilee, it says, they, and notice they instead of he, they, because he's just started calling his disciples, they went to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and began to teach. Now, that really sets the stage for us. First of all, Capernaum. Capernaum is literally village of Nahum, because it's believed to be the hometown of the Old Testament prophet whose book we recently studied as the sequel to the book of Jonah. Capernaum is on the northwest shore of the uh, Sea of Galilee. At that time, it was a prosperous fishing town. It's where Peter and James and John and Andrew had their fishing businesses thriving when Jesus came there and called them. We know that the, uh, the disciple Matthew or Levi, was also a tax collector from Capernaum. There are some rather um, extensive and interesting ruins of the biblical portion of Capernaum. It's an interesting place to visit, and it's, a, it's still a beautiful setting on the Sea of Galilee, and you can do a lot of uh, uh, Bible teaching with great visual aids in, uh, in Capernaum. And uh, I'll mention more next time, you can even probably tramp through the ruins of Peter's house there. And the, and the synagogue there, you may be able to... It's one of those cases where you might actually be able to know that you could stand in the same place that Jesus stood when he taught in that synagogue. And uh, that doesn't mean anything as far as anything spiritually significant. But it is there, very real place. Jesus made Capernaum his headquarters during the time that he ministered, or the times, I should say, when he ministered in the region of Galilee. Now... There was a synagogue there, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue. Remember the word synagogue? That was one of the key things that I taught you when we did the introduction to Mark. Synagogue is a relatively new thing. You won't find a synagogue in the Old Testament because there was no such thing until Israel was taken away into captivity. And in Assyria, Babylon, and without access to the temple, and the temple having been... Uh, uh, brought down to, uh, to ruins, the Jewish people began to gather in these little clusters in places they called synagogues. They came there for instruction and fellowship. The synagogue is much more like what we think of as the church than was the temple. Uh, the, the synagogue is the, the gathering together. As a matter of fact, the word synagogue comes by direct transliteration. That's where you take the letters from one language and put them into another language. The Greek word is sunagoge. The, pre, the preposition soon means with or together. The verb ago means to gather. A synagogue is the noun form. That's the place where you gather together or a gathering together place or a gathering of people. Synagogues uh, proliferated even after 
the return from captivity, even after the days of Ezra and Nehemiah. And synagogues were present even in Jerusalem during the time of Jesus. So once the concept of Jews meeting in smaller groups, other than gathering in, at the feast days in the temple, once that concept got started, it, it stuck. Uh, the rabbis determined, rather arbitrarily, but I think there's some human wisdom behind it, they determined that a synagogue could be planted anywhere that there were at least ten Jewish men. Now, I've observed in, uh, in Russia, they will allow a church to be registered once there are ten baptized believers. I don't think there's anything hyper-spiritual about that. If it was really spiritual, it would be twelve or seven, right? Or, or, or forty, not, not, um, sorry, that was a jab. Um, but but it, makes, it makes sense where there's, a, where there's a group, you know, enough that there could be a, a spiritual family involved. On the Sabbath, Saturdays, people gathered for worship in the morning, similar to what we do. The rabbi or the rabbis would give instruction in their own style, which is rather sadly far from the teaching of what the Scriptures actually say, but they would do the rabbinical quote-unquote teaching. During the week, the synagogue was often used as a school. Now, there was a custom, a very strong custom, that a visiting rabbi would always be asked to teach. And you can imagine, as soon as word began to spread of the things that Jesus was doing, and especially the miracles, there was no problem with him getting an invitation to speak in the synagogue. He would have been, um, it would have been a command performance, if you will. The people were eager to hear him. So immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and began to teach. Now, Mark isn't going to, in this chapter, major on the content of what Jesus taught, because that's not his point. He kind of leaves that to Matthew and Luke and, and John. We know, the, we know the gist of it from what we saw last week because we were told that after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So he's giving the gospel, the good news, the king is here, um, repent, believe, and, and he's telling people, you know, come to the Come to the king, come to the kingdom of God. But Mark isn't as concerned about the content as he is who Jesus is. So he majors on the responses to him. And the first one is in verse 22. They were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Big contrast between the way Jesus taught and what they were used to. Now the scribes were the professional scholars, if you will, among uh, first century Judaism. Um, some scribes were rabbis. You didn't have to be a scribe to be a rabbi. Uh, the rabbis were the ones who were taught in the synagogues. Rabbi essentially means teacher. And so the scribes were the experts in the documents of Judaism. Now that included the Old Testament scriptures, but Far more extensively, it included the writings of the rabbis. The, the, the rabbis would, would teach what they taught. It would be written down. It would be added to this ever-growing compendium of rabbinical you know, literature and rabbinical wisdom. 
The teachings of the scribes and the rabbis was not thus says the Lord. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.